How many of you believe that the best days of the church are yet to come? We really need to believe that since it's scriptural. We understand the world's best days may not yet to be, come, yet to be but our best days are. And this is where we've got to paint in our minds the, the true picture that this world is not our home and we are really just passing through, that we are kingdom citizens and not world citizens. Because if we're just citizens of this world, then we would be getting pretty concerned right now about how everything's going to turn out. Uh, but, but while it might not, you know, the world may not be on the best track right now, look, God's people, we're on our way up in every possible way. Uh, and so we need to understand that. Now, I, I want to bring it home because this is not just rhetoric. I mean, this is scriptural and you have to believe some of these things if you want to move forward in your life. I want to know, do you believe your best days are yet to come? Do you believe that? Because if you do, then you'll keep striving. On the days that are hard, and the days where there's an enemy, and days where there's an obstacle and an opportunity to give up. But if you believe God still has something there in front of me, He's still got a plan. He's still got things He's going to do in me and through me. Then if you believe that, then that will, that will push you through the days that seem to have the negative evidence. Because the enemy loves to bring negative evidence, doesn't he? He'll try to show you that you're not going to make it. It's not what God said. Don't believe the Bible. You know, that prayer you prayed, that's not going to make any difference. And then he brings these things that seem to be evidence and they're no evidence at all. It is just smoke and mirrors because the enemy is, the Bible says, the father of lies. And so the only source of truth is the Word of God. And when the Word of God says that he's changing us from glory to glory, that must be what's happening. If the Word of God tells me that He is moving me in a place in my life to where I, I am shaped into the full stature of the measure of Christ, then that's where I'm going. I don't want to hear about the enemy telling me, well, you know, you don't know if you, you shouldn't think you're going to make it or you might not ever overcome that problem or you might not. Wrong answer, devil. Who are you to say anything about my life? You didn't create me and you sure didn't redeem me. So you don't get to have anything to say about me. But he has a lot to say, which is why we have to know the truth. My best days are yet to come. And it doesn't matter what your age is, okay? Because the enemy likes to take people of a certain age and start saying, well, you know, look what you, were, you did back in your prime or at a certain time in your life. No, it was a different time in your life. It wasn't the only time in your life. It wasn't even necessarily the best time. Because some of us that remember days when we were doing more, don't realize that right now you might actually be praying more and the things you're praying right now may be doing as much or more good than the years when you spent doing. Well, all I do is I'm around the grandkids a little bit. Oh, you may be making the most important investment of your whole life right now, being with the grandkids. Well, you know, I just try to love on the kids, the young people at church a little bit. You have no idea the difference that makes. So the enemy loves to come with these lies about that there's, you know, there's nothing, you've reached a point where there's nothing more ahead of you. And listen, here's what's ahead for all of us. 
For all of us, no matter what goes on on this earth and in our lives, I know the best is yet to come for all of us because there is a day when Jesus says, it's all done, you're all coming home right now, and then we'll never, we'll never know, we'll never be able to guess how wonderful it'll be to have the fulfillment of our salvation in heaven with the Lord forever. I know the best days are yet to come, but I've got to be convinced of that. I know our best days are yet to come because we are living in the days of outpouring. Why? Because we're in the last days. And the Bible says very clearly, Jesus tells us, I'm sorry, Joel told us, Acts recounts Joel and says that in the last days, that's when the Spirit of God is poured out. We're living in the time of the glorious church being developed. Because that day when Jesus calls all of us home, He's going to present us to Himself glorious. You say, well, I'm not there yet, Pastor. I don't really see much glory. Well, that means he's still at work then. It means we're still moving forward. We are changing from glory to glory. We're being shaped into who God wants us to be. And it's not that glorious days are days with no challenges. It's not that better days that are coming and the way God's moving us forward won't be without problems or enemies. We've got plenty of those. But the days of glory are that we overcome the challenges. I'm not sure how glorious it would be if there just were no challenges. But how glorious is it really when the power of God is displayed in us when we have challenges and they don't kill us, but we overcome them. And the enemy did come in like a flood, but the Spirit of the Lord did raise up a standard against it. It's not glorious for you to never have a problem. It's glorious when you overcome the problem. It's not glorious because, well, I'm just never tempted to sin. Well, I'm glad that's you. I don't know what that's like. But what's glorious is you're tempted and you can stand firm. Or you fell in the pit, but you got up again. That's what's glorious and so on those in that terminology we really are living in glorious days with glorious opportunities your opposition is your opportunity to enter into glory so stop resisting what's hard and embrace it God's been dealing with me about this and it's just exactly what we've already heard from Christy and Erica today you know, I've been, I know that I've needed to face this, or I know I've needed to deal with this, but oh, it just seems like, what if, and I don't know if I can. And Your opposition is your opportunity to enter into glory because Christ's strength is made perfect in your weakness. And Paul said, I just embrace my weakness. I glory in them. Not for the glory of having a weakness, but for having the opportunity for God to reveal Himself through it. This is the mindset we have to have. Your obstacle is your opportunity to enter into glory. And in these days, we have been called to be fruitful and multiply. Now, as a church, we've been experiencing that. We're about to enter into a new season and a new dimension of multiplication. But remember in Acts, after the outpouring came, in Acts 2, 4, Within verses, multiplication comes. And you remember that in October of 22, uh, the Lord told us the outpouring is now, and we've seen that with all the things that God's done, the salvations, the miracles, the different new folks coming in, and the establishment of the other campus, all these things. Now we're engaged with outpouring, so that means it's time for multiplication. And when you dissect the early church, that experienced that first multiplication, you you recognize that there were three undeniable elements of their experience. 
The first one was innovation, the second one was increased capacity, and the third one is influence. They became an I church. And last week we discovered that for the church to multiply, a major innovation was needed. And that major innovation was welcoming the Gentile believers into the church and recognizing them as brothers and sisters in Christ. Now, that's certainly not something that we think anything about anymore because uh, we probably, most of us in this room, if not 100%, are Gentiles. So to be a Gentile believer seems natural to us. But to the apostles and the early fathers, that was something that was well outside their, their thinking. That was new. And so... And so innovation was needed. They, they had to have a new way of thinking. They had to look at it differently to see it from God's way. Sometimes to see it God's way, you have to stop seeing it your way. And so the Gentiles need to be accepted into the family. And the early church opened their eyes and their hearts. And they welcomed the Gentiles into the church. So there they were. They were innovators. If God was leading them a direction they had never thought about before, they just went with it. If the plan of God led in a place that they didn't expect, they just went with it. And God is calling us, He's going to call you as an individual to innovate right now. In your life, things He's going to address that have never been addressed before. Things you're going to be called to do that you've not done before. Ways of obedience that you have not tried before. For our church, it is things like planting these church campuses and creating a network and multiplying in other churches. These are, these are innovative things for us, not that they've never been done, but for us, they are, they're innovative. And, and here's the nature of innovation in our lives. God brings things about that are His will, and we can either enter into it or resist it. God is going to work a thing in your life. He's going to speak to you, move in you, work in you in a way that gives you an opportunity to enter into His plan and His will. And you get the chance to embrace it or resist it. I wonder how often we resist what we ought to be embracing. Just a thought. But innovation, spiritually, is God-birthed because it's He, it's he who said, Behold, I do a new thing. It's amazing how God has the capacity to do new things and we stumble over anything new. He's the creator. He's the one who calls things that are not as though they were. So innovation for him is who he is. He's the origin. He's the creator of everything. There was nothing before him. So he is innovation. And so he's calling us into that because of that innovation now. In the early church, Gentiles are recognized as part of the family of God. And aren't we grateful for that, that Gentiles were welcomed into the family of God? Pretty important for us. Now, when that happened, that called for, that innovation called for the apostles then to increase in their capacities because they had to make some accommodations for this innovation. Innovation causes challenges. When you do a new thing, that causes you to have to face new realities. You have to find ways of doing them. You have to learn how to navigate. You have to, uh, have to learn how to evaluate because you're going into new territory 
or as a church, if we reach new people or we do new things, the innovation then causes us some challenges. If you innovate in your life and put down a habit or get free from an addiction, if you get untangled from a bondage that's been at play in your life, if you let go of a bad relationship, if you embark on a new ministry, if you start a new discipline, whether it's reading the Word or adapting your prayer life, if you innovate any part of your life, you're going to find challenges to it. You ever started on something God's called you to do and it wasn't hard? Yeah, it always is. Because your flesh opposes it, the enemy opposes it, and it seems as if when you innovate, you do something new, you do something different, there are challenges always. In this case, there was a challenge when they said, well, we're going to, we've seen that God has poured out His Spirit on the, on the Gentiles, so we're going to accept them. But immediately this causes a challenge because there's a teaching going around that for the Gentiles to be saved, they're going to also have to be circumcised and keep Jewish law. So now there's a challenge. We've, it seemed great. Hey, let's welcome the Gentiles. Well, but we've got to figure some things out because this causes a problem because the Gentiles, they don't do the stuff that we thought was what gave you a relationship with God. We've been taught our whole lives that to have a relationship with God, you've got to be circumcised and you have to follow the law. And now we believe that they can accept Jesus as Messiah, but how does that integrate with what we have believed our whole lives? And now there's a challenge because how do we figure this out? And I can just... I just encourage you, if you are attempting to walk with God and obey His directions, do the new things or the different things He's calling you to do, do not get stuck here at the place they could have gotten stuck feeling like, well, this may be too big to even worry about. Maybe these are going to be too many problems. I, I started trying to obey. I started trying to serve in that ministry. I started trying to do what God was calling me to do, and it was too hard. There were too many obstacles. Maybe this shouldn't even happen. Maybe I just need to let this go. Push through. Nudge somebody and tell them, push through. Push through the resistance. Push through the unfamiliarity. Push through the challenge. Push through the discomfort. Because obeying God and following Him always creates discomfort. That's right. Because we're putting to death our flesh. And we're pushing back on an enemy. Why? So that we can have a kingdom that's eternal. And a nature that is Christ-like. Of course it's going to be uncomfortable. But let's push against the uncomfort. So we can have something of value. Something that's eternal. Something that's wonderful. Why don't we just man or woman up. And push back against the enemy enemy that pushes against us. If it's worth having, it's worth fighting for. And when you're obeying God and when you're doing what He's called you to do, there will be a fight. You will find challenges. And the idea is this push through. Don't give up. They didn't give up. They had a hard direction. We've got to allow the Gentiles, but this creates a problem. They didn't give up on it. They pushed through and figured it out. So push through and figure it out because that movement had to keep going forward. Gentiles were already being saved and God had a whole lot more of them He wanted to save. They needed to receive the gospel message so this issue has to be dealt with. And so God had a plan. But the way forward because of this innovation demanded things of them they hadn't done before or been able to do before. And that is the faith life. That's what following Jesus is all about. 
entering into his life and leaving ours, laying us down and trusting him, taking faith steps and then having to rely on God to make it happen. That is the life of faith. Finding what the truth is, what the will of God is, not knowing how in the world I'm going to get it done, feeling like I'm, it's not possible for me to lay that thing down. It's not possible for me to obey God like that, to serve God, to minister to somebody like that. And yet saying yes anyway, moving forward and then allowing God to show you that He will empower you to do exactly what He calls you to do. That's the nature of the faith life. They had to move forward with ministry to the Gentiles. That's the innovation. But we have to move forward with the direction God gives our lives. Our church is moving forward with the direction to multiply. God is moving in your life to innovate, and you have to move forward. But once you start thinking about those things that God's calling you to do, once we start thinking about multiplying as a church, here's something we realize. I can't accomplish this. You know, it's kind of like when you recognize that this, a certain thing is a sin in your life and it needs to be dealt with, and you realize, I can't, I don't think I can do this. Recognizing when God says, hey, I, I, I'm calling you to serve over here, these people, minister in this way. And you look at the opportunity and think, I can't do that. You know what? I'm not upset about you admitting that. Because you're right. Because without Him, we can do nothing. So if I recognize I can't do that. Now what the problem that is created is when we stay in I can't do that. And we don't move into but I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. That's, that's the problem is if we stay still. But recognizing we can't, that's probably a good recognition because we understand this will all be Him or it won't happen. This will all be him. I can't overcome that. I can't break free from that addiction. No, no, you can't. And some of us have tried and tried and tried everything we know to try and still couldn't. That's right, because you can't. You're not a failure. You just haven't tried the right one yet. So, of course, when we begin to follow God and we begin to innovate, of course we realize we can't. If, if we could redeem people at refuge, we wouldn't need God. If we could deliver them and heal them and restore their families, we wouldn't need God. But what God wants to do is bigger than us. It's bigger than things we can do. What God wants to do in us is bigger than we ask or think. What God wants to do in America right now is bigger than what we can do because what He wants to do in America right now is raise the church up in its character, in its power, with His voice, with His influence. That's what He wants to do right now in America. He wants the American church to be in a place where we demonstrate who God is for the world that desperately needs to see Him. You say, how do we even get that done? We don't. We can't get that done. He does that through us. But we are going to offer unto God the sacrifice of ourselves so that He can reach through us and get that end accomplished. What God wants to do is bigger than us. We can't do any of it, but He can do all of it. And so on our own as a church, we can't plant more churches. On our own, we can't pass the outpouring along to other network churches. On our own, we can't help and resource other pastors and churches and make them fruitful. We can't, but He can. So once we get used to the idea of innovation and our minds become shaped around the mind and the heart of God, 
we begin to see with his eyes and hold his vision, we realize that his vision and his heart and his instructions will require increased capacities because we've not passed this way before. And one thing the church and our church and you must do is not get so overwhelmed with the magnitude of the vision of God and the instruction of God and the call of God until you become more aware of your inabilities than you're aware of God's abilities. We cannot see the obstacle or the opportunity in front of us and make it more, make us more aware of our inability than we are God's ability. Yes, do we recognize that in our weakness He's made strong? Do we recognize that without Him we can do nothing? Yes. But that is the open door, not for us to stand still, but to step into then. Trust that God's going to do it through me. Can't do it on my own, but He's going to do it through me. Ever felt intimidated by something God wanted you to do? And you knew it was the will of God, but it's still intimidating. It didn't matter what it was. Pray for somebody, speak to somebody about Him, you know, step out in some way or another, make a face step with your family, with your finances. A lot of times those seem intimidating. But we have to become used to being challenged. We're so used to comfort that we become problem children when we're challenged. But we have to become challenged because God's ways are higher than our ways. And if we're going to walk in His ways, it's not going to be our ways. We're going to have to be used to He's going to ask me to do things that require a stretch. He's going to call me to do things that I can't do on my own at all. They're going to challenge my abilities. They're going to challenge my will. It's going to challenge all of it, and that's all fine. Because God, in the end, will come through, raise up inside of me, and do exactly what He wants to do. And all I have to do is obey. Now I'm coming down the home stretch. We had a uh, we had a lady in my church when I was growing up. There's a very distinguished section of the church. There were three sections, mostly three sections, and and in this middle section, uh, about uh, two pews back, there was a a section of widow ladies uh, who sat right in the middle on the, about the second or third row, and they always sat together. Very distinguished group, as you can imagine, of you know prayer warriors and ladies who had been through a lot in their life, and they loved God and they were faithful to church. Uh, one of them was extremely vocal, however. And she was vocal at all times, and the less she could hear, the louder she got. You know how that works. Brother Nichols is making announcements on a Sunday morning. And we'll be having this potluck at this time. And, and I regret to have to let everybody know that this week, Brother So-and-so passed away and will be holding his services Friday at noon out of second row. Hallelujah! So, Carol, that's who you are to me, bro. 
Sally Campbell was her name. What I love about the Lord is, he, since He knows the end from the beginning, and He knows what He's going to call us to do, He always prepares us for it. And He says, He knows that in Acts 2, Holy Spirit's going to be poured out, and then the church is going to be birthed, and there's going to be all of this, these people to reach and these things to be done. So in Acts 1, verse 8, He tells them, you're going to receive power after that the Holy Ghost has come upon you. Then you shall be witnesses to me in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and all the ends of the earth. In other words, I know that what I'm calling you to do, you can't do. So I'm going to make sure you can. This is always God's pattern. He's not going to ask you to do something and then leave you hanging. You have to get it done. Some of us live like that. We know the thing that we need to do, and then we run after it like we have to accomplish it. You don't have to accomplish it. If it's the will and the plan of God, you're going to obey, and He's going to empower. In fact, that needs to get down in your spirit. I'll obey, He'll empower. That's His pattern. And so that's what He does here. He knows they're going to need increased capacities, so He says, I'm going to give you the power that you need. And with these, what these men and women were called to do was way beyond them. When you think about the apostles' assignment to really launch the church, period, into the world, this was well beyond any of their capabilities, of course. So the Lord addressed it up front and He said, you will receive power. Dunamis in Greek, supernatural ability. There's the answer for how you're going to do whatever it is God calls you to do. Supernatural ability. I don't know if I can. Well, you can't and He's going to. I don't know if I can go any longer without sleep because it's been a long time. The Holy Spirit's going to give you supernatural rest. We either believe in a supernatural God or we don't. I encourage that you do. My grace is sufficient for you, 2 Corinthians 12. My strength is made perfect in weakness. That's dunamis. Same word as you'll receive power. Supernatural ability. My supernatural ability is made perfect when you're weak. Before dunamis, Peter couldn't even stand up to a servant girl and admit he was with Jesus. Do you remember that? He couldn't even admit he was with the Lord to a, to a girl that didn't have any rank. After dunamis, he's the one that intentionally steps in front of 3,000 people and explains to them what the Holy Spirit is and about the gospel, and they're saved. I think the dunamis is pretty important and pretty amazing. Think about it. Philip needed to lead the Ethiopian official to the Lord on the southern road to Gaza one moment, but at the next moment he was going to need to be at Azotus and preach all the way to Caesarea. He couldn't get there immediately, so what did the Holy Spirit do? Picked him up and caught him away and did it for him. If he had told Philip beforehand, now listen, I'm going to need you to be here with this guy. Lead him to me, baptize him. But now immediately you have to be miles and miles away. If, if God tells us stuff like that, we get the planning out and we start the wheels rolling. God, I don't know how we're going to get this done. Meanwhile, the Lord's like, I already have the way made. 
I'm glad he didn't tell Philip. Philip might have got caught up in it. He might have got upset about it. But in the right moment, the Lord just carried him where he needed to be. And I really felt like I was preparing this message that that was a prophetic word somebody needs to hear. How are you going to get to the place you believe God needs you to be? He's going to carry you there. Supernaturally, He's going to carry you there. You be obedient. He will do the, he will do the carrying. Acts 12. Peter needs out of prison. The church is praying for him, but there's no way out. They sure didn't have the influence to get out. So an angel shows up. His chains fall off supernaturally. The gates open and Peter goes free. How? Dunamis. The power of God. This is why we have the book of Acts. We ought to get so full of Acts that we don't back up from any assignment, any opportunity, or any enemy because we know we have the Holy Spirit on our side just like they did. Tell your neighbor you don't have to back up because you've got backup. So on this multiplication journey, we're being called to do what we can't do. But we're given the supernatural ability to do it. Interesting how that works. It's increased capacity. Don't be shocked by the end of the year when you turn around and say, I'm doing things now I never thought I'd be able to do. I've overcome things I never thought I'd overcome. I'm ministering to people in ways I didn't think would be possible for me. Don't be shocked by the end of this year. When you see that, I believe God more than I used to believe God. I have a lot of faith now where I used to have a lot of fear. Don't be shocked. Don't be shocked because when you are willing to innovate, the Holy Spirit gives you the increased capacity to get there now. Uh, Ronnie, y'all can come. Here's where this has to become personal for us. How did they innovate? They said, well, the Gentiles have got to be part of the church and we've got this teaching out there that says they, they can't be until they start acting like Jews. What are we going to do? They needed Holy Spirit inspiration. They needed wisdom because every part of the way forward they had never done before. The Lord knows that. If the things in front of you are things you haven't done before, He's aware of that. He has planned for it. There's nothing to worry about. So they moved into dunamis. They moved into the direction of the Holy Spirit. And their innovation of allowing the Gentiles into the church and welcoming them, that created this challenge and a need for increased capacity results in, they were given the wisdom of how to handle it. They gathered together the leaders of Jerusalem. And they had the Jerusalem, what's known as the Jerusalem Council. They said, look, this beautiful work has been done that these Gentiles are accepting the Lord, but we've got to figure out how to integrate this with our theology. So they were led to come together and have a council. They've never done that. That's an increased capacity. The Holy Spirit showed them. Increased capacity. They discussed it without division and fighting. They came to an godly resolution. Increased capacity. They came to the decision that was wise. Because was it not Peter that said, look, I have this thought. How are we going to expect these Gentiles 
to follow laws we've been trying to follow all our life and always fail. How are we going to put that yoke on their neck when they're not even Jews? That sounded like wisdom to everybody on, on the council. And so they said, well, we're not going to do that. Now we want, we believe that God would have them to remember the poor and to stay pure from idolatry and eating, you know, things sacrificed. We, we believe that would be godly. They said, okay, we'll agree on that. Increased capacity. They could come together and agree on the will and the mind of God. Another increased capacity. Something they've never done before. Well, we've got to disseminate this information. It has to be known what, the, what we believe the plan is. So they write a letter. It's nothing for your business to write a letter. They do it all the time. But this is a group that didn't know they could come to a collective decision and make a and write a letter to anybody until now. It's all it, it's all increased capacity. It's all new to them. And the Holy Spirit led them. There was no textbook. The Holy Spirit led them what to do. And so they, they write this letter and, and express their findings. They say, okay, we're going to distribute it now so that the places where we're ministering and where these Gentiles are, they'll know that those of us who walked with the Lord, this is what we believe is right for them. And we've accepted them into fellowship. These are the expectations. All of that was increased capacity. It doesn't seem like much for us because we've read this story and we already know the ending. But for them, it was all new. And the Lord led them a step at a time exactly how to handle that. How's the Lord going to lead you to overcome big mountains? He's going to show you one step at a time. We try to eat entire elephants without taking the first bite. So, the Holy Spirit gave them the increased capacity to do the thing that they were just like you're going to be That's how you're going to begin on the I'm going to end this service uh, in a very specific way. And when we when we close, if you need to go, you go. Please don't rush out. I saw one pastor today say, there's plenty of time for you to get to church today and then go buy your milk and bread. I to tell you, if, if you hadn't been to buy the milk and bread yet, you, you're probably in trouble now. You didn't need any more French toast anyway, so that's what you're going to make with that. But if you need to go, when we invite everybody that wants to respond to this to come, you, you feel free to, to go and you be safe and have a good week. And we'll update you on Wednesday night. On There's no service tonight. But um, you, you, you can go when you need to go. But here's the key. Some of us have got the opportunities in front of us, the innovation in front of us, the direction of God in front of us, and yet we've not been baptized with the Holy Spirit. That was their stop. Before the multiplication, before the innovation was, they received the Holy Spirit. Once they did, they were empowered to do everything they were called to do, whether they were able to do it or not. matter God was in. So in this room, maybe some folks who say, I've not received the baptism of the Holy Spirit. I don't have a prayer language. I don't, I don't have any miracles that I'm seeing working in my life, but I believe that's for me. I believe God wants to do things I can't do. And I need that. And we're going to pray for you to receive it. In fact, the prayer team's coming right now. Position across the room.
that's a thing of the past for you. You'd received, had an experience with the Holy Spirit a long time ago. It's been not active, and not an active relationship in your life recently. Let's stir that. Let's stir up that. That's what Paul told Let's stir up that. So whether that's something you need for the first time or you need to stir up that, let us pray with you today. All right. And if you're here and you're away from God, Jesus is not the Lord of your life. Would you come and tell that to the person who's walking to the door? Say, I just need to accept Jesus. You can leave here in a new life, forgiven of your sins and your creation. That's you, I invite you to come and allow them to pray with you. So whichever of those is what you need, when we stand, I invite you to come. And then we'll pray. And then if those that need to leave, you can. We stand if you have one of those needs. Would you come? Have you decided what you're going to do if you need it? All right. Then let's stand together right now. And I'm going to pray as you come. Father, in Jesus' name, I draw near right now and thank you. Lord, that you've called us to a great work as a church, as individuals. You've called us to innovation of things that are powerful and mighty, things that that are greater than we are. And Lord, we're thankful that you're taking us into new areas of ministry and of life and of growth. And Lord, right now, we are deciding that we're going to lean on you. Lord, we believe the Holy Spirit's equipping us. The Holy Spirit is going to equip us. Why don't you pray that right now? Just... Holy Spirit, I believe you're equipping me for everything I'm called to. Father, let a new equipping come upon every life in this room so that when we walk out of here, we don't operate in ourselves. We operate in you, Father, supernaturally to do what only you can do. Thank you for it in Jesus' name.